Hello, everybody. This is Noah, and welcome to Change Talk, a podcast where I have conversations with people who are thinking about change and are open to talking about it. In this week's episode, I speak with Pushpeg Sidhu. Pushpeg is a content creator and influencer on social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram, where he uses his creativity to spread happiness among his followers. He also advocates for social justice and mental health issues, as he believes it's an important aspect of being a genuine role model. We had Pushpeg on this week to celebrate Resolve, a new student mental health platform that I built with former guest and current business partner, Simon Spichuk. Remember him from Simon Goes Running. Our goal is to get students the integrated support they need for all of their mental health, academic success, and personal growth needs through both access to therapy and mental health education. We are now live in many Canadian provinces. Come check out our work at www.resolve.ca. That's with two Vs. And our beautiful new website with thanks to Reform. The link will of course be in the show notes. Pushpick is our social media manager, and you will hear us reference that fact a few times throughout the episode. In terms of change talk, on this episode, Pushpick discusses his desire to flex his self-awareness muscle so that he can practice better emotional expression. And while we have you here, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. This can make a huge difference in expanding Change Talk's reach. And if you really like what you're hearing, consider donating to our tip jar, which can be found by following the link at the bottom of our show notes. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. And may Pushpake's Change Talk in some small way inspire your own. Please note that this podcast is not therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. We are here for another episode of Change Talk with my friend and kind of colleague, Push Paik Sidhu. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in Sweden. I came to Canada in 2010. So I've been here for the last 11 years now. And I come from an immigrant family from India. So my parents were Punjabi. They moved over to Sweden, had me and my sister over here. Then when I was 14, we moved over to Canada. And then I went to high school in Canada and went to University of York, studied kinesiology, which is sports science. And I've been a personal trainer for the last five years. So, and now I'm basically a content creator. <laughs> Your con- so I'm going to ask you about the content creation, but just a bit about your background. So you've been born in Sweden, come from an Indian Punjabi family. Yes. And then came to Canada. So what was it, what's it like, or what was it like to be, to move to Canada when you were 14 years old? Well, it was a big step, right? Um, I was excited about it and nervous at the same time. I didn't want to leave Sweden because it's my comfort zone. But I wanted to leave Sweden because I didn't have the best experiences in school over there. What's what's wrong with Sweden in the school well, for you? Well, the thing that was wrong in the entire school, I was the only Indian kid in wow. the entire school out of like maybe 500 kids. Wow. And 
I was for some of them, I was the darkest person they've seen. And I'm extremely light skinned for being Indian. Whoa. Yeah. So so you're like a you're you're in a you're a you're a foreign entity for people like yeah completely right i will get stared differently at on the bus they will look different differently i mean while i'm like at a grocery store they'll make sure i don't steal anything it's all those small subtle things the things about sweden is it's not like over here in north america especially in the u.s where people will say stuff to your face everything's very subtle like it's very uh, passive aggressive kind of world. Like nobody's really communicating properly. Very passive aggressive, right? And it's not only. So we're always like looking over your shoulder. Like, what are people thinking? What are they saying? Like, I mean, I, it was always on my mind. Um, and thing is, it's hard to get any help too because the teachers are the same. Like, it's I mean, it depends where you live in Sweden too. I wouldn't generalize Sweden as like that because I was in a smaller town with a hundred thousand people. Um, the town beside me was full of immigrants. If I lived there, my story would be very different. But the thing is, the immigrants in Sweden are mostly from um, uh, former Yugoslavian countries like Serbia, Bosnia, whenever that breakup happened. And a lot of them assimilated to the Swedish culture. So in order to get validation from Swedish people, they would put other foreigners down too. So they take a part of it. So it was, it was, it wasn't just the natural born Swedish. No, it was the immigrants that weren't, that were white, that it's, it's weird to think about um, why, I mean, I'm wondering why your parents moved there in the first place. What about that place did they want to be there for? Well, so my sister's, sorry, my mom's brother moved there when he was 19 to study. He ended up marrying a Danish woman right and he brought my mom over there and she loved it she got so much support over there and she loved it and she moved over there she settled she got her own house and then she got married to my dad and moved over there with my dad uh the thing about my mom was because she got there in her 30s she was able to speak the language my dad got there a little bit later language was a little bit more difficult for him and that caused an issue with having a job so throughout the first years of me being a kid it would be dad being at home and mom working right obviously in the particular town that you were in you were kind of alone but overall there are people indian people in sweden obviously there's a few uh, most of the immigrants over there are from arab descent okay yeah it's more refugee immigrants than immigrants to come to study right so then did coming to Canada feel more like coming home? Cause I mean, like pick your, pick your immigrant population and you have a whole ecosystem of people there. I mean, I moved straight into Brampton. It's the most Indian <laughs> place you can find. Tell us about like, cause I know what that means, you know, yeah. like for Jews, it's like Bathurst street. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of in Brampton. It's like a heavily Indian population. Yes. Um, well, when I moved here, I moved into an area that was very mixed. It was, I mean, I, I still remember one of my first weeks at school, just sitting in the calf. I'm sitting beside an Indian, beside a black person, beside a white person, beside an Asian person, beside a Muslim. Like it's, it was all completely mixed. And just 
seeing that was incredible, right? And I got lucky too because I know people that come fresh from other countries like South Asian countries like India, they will be treated differently even in Canada just because they're not assimilated enough. But right. me coming from a white country, it was easier for me to assimilate. And I was looked at cool for being from Sweden because right. I was different. Right. So I never got teased for it. Instead, people thought that was a cool thing. Right. So it was a, it was a positive transition for you to come to Canada. Yes, definitely. And we learn English in Sweden, so it didn't take me too long to pick up. Right. So what does today, you mentioned assimilation, that you assimilated, you assimilated quite well uh, yeah. coming from Sweden. What does assimilation mean for somebody coming from your background, religious and likewise? Um, from what I understand, uh, you know, there's a lot of religious ritual and culture embedded in, I mean, Punjabi, right? So t- tell, me about, tell me about what assimilation means to you and how you balance being um, a Western person while also honoring where you've come from and who you are historically? Well, the thing is, most, uh, most of the stuff I learned about my culture was when I came to Brampton. Because in Sweden, I was completely locked out of it, right? Um, even my Punjabi got a lot better once I came to Brampton. And I think that's the first time I started embracing my culture instead of being ashamed of it, right? right? So when I came to Canada, I was already assimilated into white culture. So rather than assimilating more, I went to embracing my own culture more. And, and from, I mean, I know some of the background, but your family background is Sikh. Yeah, that's correct. So as a Western person today, how do you embrace being Western and being Sikh? How do they connect with each other? How do they contradict? Uh, is that something you think about? So it's, it's easier to embrace my religion just because I'm in Brampton, right? Um, they're gurdwaras which is our temples they're located everywhere it's easy access um if i want to educate myself there's easy access to it i don't do that though i'm a little bit lazy when it comes to those things um but i definitely embrace my religion a lot more ever since i came here um i've thought about practicing it more but i don't think it's for me because um so the big thing with sikhs that we do we wear turban right that's the big symbol we have um, my dad and that's for male, one. right? Yeah. Well, so, it's also for females once you go really start practicing it, right? Um, but And why? Like, why do males cover their hair? So females do it too. Males just do it more often. Right. But the whole point is to... Um, with, it's, the whole point is to like not cut your hair and how you are naturally, right? And then it's just the way... Um, it, to cover it up, it has to do with just, it's similar to how the hijab works. Cover yourself up, like lower your gaze. Don't look at other people in a certain sexual way. Right. Right. It, it's, it's, a mat, it's a matter of respect to and a symbol. For us, it's because our religion is very new compared to most religions. Mm-hmm. And we were born in a place where there was wars going on between Muslims and Hindus. So we needed some sort of a symbol to stand out. Right. And the thing about turbans is you should be able to spot one from far away and know that this is a reliable person who can help you out. Mm. 
because our religion is all about helping people, right? right? Um, one of the biggest things we have is something called seva, which means um, it's like unbiased service, right? Um, there's a better word for it. I can't. Selfless. Selfless it, service. There we go. Selfless service. Yes. Um, so if you go to any of our temples, um, we provide food. There's no cost. There's nothing. Nobody's paying anything. And doesn't matter what religion you're from, we provide food. And that's worldwide, right? You go to any temple anywhere in any country, you will get fed, right? right? And that's the thing you will see too, that with stories you hear about people wearing turbans, helping others in need, they will only take it off when they need to help somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Let's see somebody got a cut and you need to wrap around it. They take off their turban. Yeah, because selfless service always comes first Mm -hmm. right and that's something i'm trying to take from my religion right um the whole idea of being selfless and helping others so i try to use my platform in order to help others as well specifically more on the mental health side and breaking stigmas and breaking cycles all many religious traditions have you know, two things going. One is service, acts of service, and the other is modesty in some yeah. way, shape, or form. What I find interesting uh, about Sikhism is that the males are required to cover their hair, or there's a there's some sort of value in that. And you know, for example, in in Islam and in Judaism, you know, I don't cover my hair, but my wife does. Yeah. Um. So there's like a modesty, and there are male rules of modesty for sure that uh, that exist for both for both uh, genders. However, yeah. it seems that the hair, there's something about hair and female in, in, in many religions. And that's why I'm so interested in Sikhism, that it's for males uh, mm-hmm. and for females, but males as well. Yeah, so um, it's like once you really start practicing it, it's actually for both. It's equal for right. both. Yeah. And I think it has to do with culture, too, because mm-hmm. culturally, males were the ones wearing turbans back in days before their religion even existed. Even sure. if you go to like Arab countries whatever countries you might go to in South Asia is yeah. always the males wearing turbans. So I think that's the reason why they end up wearing turbans more just because it's easier for them, I guess. It's very interesting because I want to get into your content that you create. Yeah. You mentioned being very interested in mental health and that's how we're connected as you're our guy mental health wise. And you are a content creator on, you know, the typical stuff like Instagram, you have a big following there, but you have a very, I mean, for me, it's maybe for you because you're in the big leagues a bit. It seems like it's a small following, but you give 180,000 people likes, like, like basically that follow your profile. That's a lot of people. That's a whole, that's bigger than your whole town from Sweden. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of your content is both is playful and fun, utilizing your beard and all sorts of things and mental health. So tell us a little bit about why you've gotten into TikTok, what, how you understand TikTok and why you're, why you're spending your time doing this? Well, I, f- I feel like it was always something I wanted to do was to entertain people. And I was just waiting for the right opportunity, right? Um, it, it was a little bit awkward to do an Instagram, so I never really did it there. But then when TikTok came along, I started doing it on TikTok and it just took off like crazy. And then I started posting that same stuff to Instagram and that started working too. So that's how I got into it. And then I just started spending more and more time on it, getting more creative. And once I got a platform, I'm like, you know what? 
I feel like it's my responsibility to help others having their role model that I never had, right? Growing up in Sweden, I was completely locked out. I never had a role model. But with TikTok, I can be a role model globally, right? So even if there is some Indian kid in Sweden that's going through something, I can be a role model from, for them from all the way here. Right. And you talk a lot about in your videos about, you know, you, 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 you playfully talk about the immigrant experience. You've got very funny videos about the grocery store and all these sorts of things. So um, your content is comedic as well as serious. So how do you balance that? And, and yeah, how do you understand your role? I mean, you say you're, you're interested both in the mental health and then, but, but you're also trying to provide entertainment. So I think we spoke about how one of your videos on bullying was not as well received. And then you do a video on your, on your beard and it's like blows up. So what is that? So, well, that's the thing when you want to spread awareness um, and you want to help people, you can only help people that want to be helped. Right. And a lot of people don't know that they need the help. Right. So that's where you have to mix it up. You have to make some content, which is just pure entertainment, some content that's just trying to make people self-aware and then some content that's actually helpful. Right. right? So you just got to mix it up. It depends on audience. Everyone's different. Um, Dark humor is a massive thing right now. And that's how people cope with things. Right. And that's something I'm trying to avoid. Right. So I'm trying to find a new way of using humor because humor is the one thing that will blow up like crazy anywhere you go, whether it's TV, movies, whatever it is. So I'm just trying to use humor in a way that just helps people become more self-aware. You know, you've got a funny charm to you, but where'd you develop that? And, and what does it mean to you that you get to be funny to people? It, it gives me some sort of validation, right? Um, just because... I didn't have validation as a kid, right? Going to school in Sweden. Um, I get a lot of it from my dad too. He's very, he's a guy who just walks around, makes jokes all day long, right? So I got a lot of that from him, but I'm pretty sure both of us got it from dark humor as a coping mechanism. Like it still roots from dark humor at the end of the day, right? Um, As a coping mechanism, but eventually... Once you become aware that that's where it came from, you can slowly start changing it into a more positive thing. So, so, so humor means many different things. Yeah. So it, it, it means like playfulness for you. You're it's, it's playful. It's also, you know, mentioned it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. So it has different purposes for you. For sure. Yeah. And you try to balance all those, all those types of humor in your, in your content. Yes. So what is it like to be, you know, you, you'll deny it on a certain level because, you know, on the big scheme, the grand scheme of things, there are, there are massive TikTok follow, followings that people, these people are, you know, 17 years old and they have, you know, 40 million, 50 million, maybe I'm wrong. Is it like 70 million? Like who's, you know, the biggest, the person with the biggest following on TikTok, how big is it? I think this girl hit a hundred million. Okay. So she's got a hundred million followers. So that's incomprehensible in any yeah. other generation that another person would, would have a hundred million people would know that person. So yeah. it's still incomprehensible that 180,000 people are going to like your, you, you are yeah. liking your page. 
how do you relate to that quasi fame? What, how do you handle it? Like, are you wrapped up in your validation through the likes? What happens to you when a video doesn't go well? I mean, I've, I've called myself wrapped up in validation for that. And that's why um, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, I have notifications completely turned off. So I don't get notified when somebody comments, likes anything, because I don't want to know. I just want to go on the app and look through it. Um, it does bother me when likes and views are down, right? And it does make me happy when likes and views are blowing up, right? Um, the big thing about the whole fame thing is because we're in a pandemic, I've never got to feel the effects of anything, right? I don't you're in the same I, place every day yeah i'm in the same place right so when i was at the gym before the pandemic hit i was around twenty thousand followers and people were starting to recognize me at the gym like oh you're the guy who makes tiktoks or oh, you're that guy you're that guy but now i'm at 190,000, <laughs> right so once things opens up i don't know if it's gonna be any different are you gonna right? need security <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it's on that level but things would be different i'm sure um I've only gone out once in the last like two months. It was just, it was somebody's, um, I think it was, um, it was, I just wanted to bring some wine for my sister for Christmas. Right. And I went to LCBO and the cashier looked at my ID and she's like, <laughs> oh, you're the guy from Instagram. I'm like, yes, that's me. <laughs> so, and that's the only time I've gone out. So let's see how it goes. Wait, but- wait, wait. But I want to have a slowdown here. The only time you've gone out of your house. I mean, since the second lockdown. Yeah. Oh, uh, so that's since November. Yeah. Wow. So like, do you go outside? I should, but it, it's been cold. Oh right? my gosh. So I haven't really gone. I've gone on like. Push pick. I, I'm. <laughs> what do you mean it's really cold? You come from Sweden. You, you can't use that as an excuse. You're not like. <laughs> You don't go outside. So it could be like two weeks and you don't go outside. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know it's bad. Um, Cause I don't do groceries. I don't do any of that. As soon as the pandemic hit, I stopped doing groceries. I'm like, I don't want to be around people. Oh my gosh. And yeah. So that, that, that makes things a little bit tougher. But I remember when the first pandemic, when the first lockdown hit, it was getting warmer, right? The winter was just over. So I started going on runs every other day and that helped me so much. And that's what I wanted to do this time too. But the pandemic hit, the second lockdown hit when it was snowing, right? Okay. So it's just been, it's too cold to run, to be honest, because I don't want to run when there's ice. Sure. Right? It just, it's, it's a risk I don't want to take, right? Especially I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. Maybe you don't have to run, but like you could just step outside and, and see the sunshine or something. Yeah, I went on a walk like five days ago. Oh my gosh. Okay. No, because I like go, I have, I have, I feel very, uncomfortable if i don't go outside every day yeah i'm like there's something wrong with me i am uncomfortable but yeah yeah, (laughs) you're just used to it so so basically your you've your popularity has you've grown tremendously about nine times as large but you haven't been outside you haven't been around so it's it'll be it'll be different but what are your goals um what are your hopes in terms of how the content that you're creating how you any new ideas that you have on on the loop I mean, my goal is to one day just do this full time, but do it in a way that I never have to worry about financials. 
because I always grew up having to worry about financials, especially with my parents. It was always insecurities everywhere, right? And I just want to live a life where I can be chilling in Mexico on a weekend and just working from there, right? I can <laughs> do whatever I want whenever I want. I don't have any restrictions. I just want the freedom. So, so you want to produce this content, have it be valuable, that playfulness and seriousness, being responsible with your platform, and also have the flexibility. Um, yeah. And sounds like it's a pretty good plan. Yeah. <laughs> so and anything else you want to share with us about, I don't know, some of the things. So obviously, uh, TikTok is your main thing. You're trying to get into YouTube as well. Yeah. Tell us about your, your most popular video. What was it? And why did you, why do you think, what do you think the ingredient was that made it so popular? Okay. So my most viral video on TikTok, I made it. And we'll link it. If, is it still there? Does it still exist yeah, it, somewhere? It, it still exists. I posted it a little bit more than a month ago. Okay. About a month ago. Exactly. Um, so I, I gave myself a haircut at home. Right. And then I just covered my head i got like i faded the sides and i just covered the hair on top with the hat and i'm like okay let's see my parents reactions <laughs> to my haircut and i would not show anyone my haircut like on video i would just show my hat being taken off <laughs> and my parents looking at my head and saying something right <laughs> and their reactions completely blew up and it on tiktok it went up above six million views like it was crazy like so weird yeah is it just because it's like playful shock like weird shocking like on like nobody else is is doing that like what like well it's i mean i've started using my dad a little bit more on videos because i gave him a tagline what's his name uh my dad's name no well sure but you (laughs) you gave him a tagline so oh yeah so the the tagline is um looks looks like shit right (laughs) So when he sees me, he just says, looks like shit, right? <laughs> but he says it with his accent, right? Right. And he likes being dramatic too. So he's overly dramatic, right? Because he studied drama when he was younger. So he's funny too. Yeah. Right. So he's he, he's enjoying that more than I am because he just keeps looking at the views. He's like, I'm famous. I'm famous. I'm famous. <laughs> right. So I right. do let him be a part of my videos here and there because he enjoys it and it's nice to work with and it's him. It's good for it's good for yeah. business. Yeah, it is. It is. Right. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, you obviously you can't see all the types of people that are watching, but clearly, the immigrant populations in whatever place you are trying to speak to them as well. Yeah, um, my target audience is definitely immigrants, like children of immigrants, if right. not immigrants directly. Yeah. And they have, and there's the, you know, there's a lot of in humor as well. Like, like things that you would understand that not everybody would under- like, there's, yeah. you probably have subtle inside humor that yeah. like people in your, in, in, wherever you come from would understand that I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of um, satire too. Yeah. And satire. With satire, people would take something seriously. Right. Um, I made a joke once about um, we shouldn't use belts because belts only save one percent of people blah 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 it's only 99 percent safe whatever but it was a reference to masks mm. being 99 percent safe and half the people got it and the other half like oh you're just being stupid why wouldn't you use a seatbelt and in my head i'm like oh my god so you're you're really in your but you're trying to make that to bring awareness to the social issues so first of all i think i think i've 
gotten a good sense. Thank you so much for sharing with us everything about what you're doing um, on on online and your experience growing up and where you've come to today. This is your second. Have you been to India at all? I've visited India probably five, six times, but the last time was 2010 before I moved to Canada. So I haven't been back since and I can't really see myself going back. You're not ever. that interested. It's um, well, I mean, I've spoken up against the government enough that I I'd be worried about just stepping a foot inside the country, to be honest. Yeah, you, you've 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 spoken about a lot of issues going on in the country. Is there anything that you want to mention to the I audience mean, here? I would mention the farmers protest. I would encourage people to look into it and see what it's all about. It's basically um, the Indian government starting to embrace capitalism, but they're doing it in a very, very rushed ways without consulting people. And they're throwing a lot of people under the bus. And a lot of it stems from oppression of Sikh people in India. Hmm. So is there a lot of oppression of Sikh people in India? Everything is more subtle. And because when we go to India, we go to Punjab, where half of the people are Sikh, it's hard to see it. But even if you just look at Bollywood movies, Sikhs are always represented as either drunks or just almost like gullible kids. Right. Right. So we have that image of us and there's a whole thing where people make like Punjabi jokes and all they talk about how they drink. Right. right. And is that where the Hindu and Muslims come together? So the thing about that is Hindu and Muslims, they're rivalry, the, the issues they have in between themselves are way bigger than any of it. Way bigger. Yeah. So, and their history is a lot longer too. Right. So what happens is when there is, and like most Hindus have nothing against Sikhs, right? It's really the right-wing Hindus, but they're in government right now, which is the problem. But when they are oppressing us, right, will the Muslims will most likely back us up. And that's the thing. If we say something about Muslims, the Hindus will back us up immediately. They, they don't care. Like Hindus in America voted for Trump because he didn't like Muslims. Like that's the only reason. They didn't so there's a lot was. of hate between Hindus and Muslims in India. And it's, it's not just Hindus. It has a lot to do with India and Pakistan. The way everything, the way um, the British people broke it up before leaving just created chaos. And mm. there's a lot of bad blood because of that. And that trauma is honest. It's our grandparents that saw all that stuff happening. People getting lynched on the street and everything, mm. right? So all that trauma and anger has been passed down to our generations and it's still there, right? But we're doing a lot to make it better. But in India and Pakistan right now, they're embracing that hate between each other. Right. So it, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. And uh, either way, you're trying to bring awareness to some of the social issues that are happening there. Yeah. So we're going to move into the change talk. Talk to me about something that you want to change. So... I want to change my self-awareness. I want to become more self-aware when it comes to emotions, right? I want to be able to recognize when I'm feeling some kind of emotion and I want to be able to express it too, right? Without having to bottle it up. Right. So why is this something that you're interested in changing? Well, as I've started to embracing my emotions a little bit more, um, you start feeling a lot better. 
right? You become more self-aware and you're able to recognize your triggers a lot better. So in case something is triggering me, especially in social media with all those comments, if I ever get into a habit and I start reading stuff, there's going to be stuff that triggers me, right? But when I recognize I'm feeling a certain emotion and then I recognize it's because I've been triggered by the comment and then I recognize that I'm triggered because of what happened to me, let's say in Sweden when I was younger mm. in my childhood, I don't take offense to it. I recognize it. I feel my emotion and then I'll let it go. Right. And, and is this is something that is new to you? Why for you is it new? This whole kind of emotional awareness thing? Well, it is new because I think a lot of it was, um, a lot of it was introduced when I met my girlfriend because she is a therapist, right? <laughs> so she brought a lot of these things into my life um, because I would, yeah, it, it, I've changed a lot since I met her just because she introduced. What's it like to date a therapist? You're, 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 you're together with a therapist. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I would say um, <laughs> like, even when we did ever have arguments, right. Um, it's but like, let's say I did nothing wrong. Right. And there is an argument and she's feeling bad. She will solve the whole argument on her own. And all I have to do is just listen. Like she would talk, she will, she might be mad. And then she recognizes, Oh, it's because of my trigger. It's because of this and because of this. And then she settles down and I'm like, and I don't even have to say anything. All I have to do is listen. And at the same time, when I'm getting mad or something, she might recognize where it's from too. But we, we find it really important to create a boundary where she's my girlfriend and she's not my therapist. So yes. we have to separate that because otherwise the relationship won't work. You can't, you can't. Yeah. You, Cause that's the whole thing. A therapist client relationship is not, an intimate relationship between a partner and a, like two partners. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm just thinking about <laughs> asking my wife what it's like. No, we don't, we don't, uh, I, you know, it's, it, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want to be that kind of person in, 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 uh, I mean, maybe certain elements that I could be better at that I take from therapy, but I wouldn't want to be that kind of person um, to my wife. It's, exactly. it, it's not, it's not the kind of thing that you want to do, but just in general, um, I think maybe this was in the pre-interview a little bit. You talked about growing up, what that was like for you, historically, uh, emotional expression. How did you learn that growing up? Well, so the thing is growing up as a man, we're taught not to show our emotions. And the only emotion that's acceptable for men seems to be anger, right? Mm. Which is bad, right? That's where violence gets comes into place, right? And then coming from India, which will be even more conservative, right? So you try to suppress your emotions even more, right? And it takes a lot of unlearning to unlearn how to not suppress your emotions and start feeling them, right? So that's probably the hardest part. Right. So you just historically not culturally as both like you're talking about your home, your place of origin and your gender, yeah. Yeah, both those things working together to not have more emotional awareness. Yeah. Um, even just what you mentioned about anger, I think it's definitely true that the male, the, the stereotypical male trait of emotional expression is anger. But I yeah. would say that when you were saying it's, it's really bad and you know, whatever, it's not that 
being angry in general, like being angry and expressing frustration is often pointing to us something that's bothering us that we think that should be better. Yeah. It seems though that it's a very unreflective anger that you're talking about where it's like out of control, like not productive and like harsh, like yeah. bad anger. Well, it's, it's frustration and anxiety combined and you need to let your emotions out in a way, but it only comes out as anger and all different emotions are important because we're human. We're meant to feel these emotions, but when you only feel anger, right it it doesn't end up well because you you can't be angry all the time right it's going to affect all your relationships with everyone around you right and it's not just the whole gender thing it's like if i look back even at punjabi culture we are viewed as and it's a stereotype that's embraced but it's that we're warm-blooded right and that makes it acceptable for men to be angry because we're warm-blooded we're hot-blooded we get angry easily but that is further further pushes you to stare to suppress all other emotions and just deal with and live angrily anger. yeah so so in other words maybe anger isn't isn't so repressed it's that other things are repressed and then anger gets yeah. the only thing that gets expressed is anger exactly but even that, there's a reserve, a reservation to to ex- emotional expression. So, what what does that look like for you? Give us just maybe an example recently where you just felt like you weren't being emotionally aware uh, and ex- like, living from that place and expressive. Yeah, like even if I just talk to my dad because we contradict each other all the time and we both use the same anger. So, if we have an argument right? It could be a normal discussion, but if I don't feel heard, I'll notice that I'm getting louder and louder. And at the end of the day, I'm almost yelling, right? Over something very small, right? But it's just because it's me getting frustrated because I'm not being heard. When in turns, I would rather slow things down and be like, you know what? I'm not being heard right now, right? And I would appreciate if you listen to me before answering, right? And that's how it's supposed to be. But instead, I get angry, I get frustrated. And eventually, one of us is just going to walk out. Right. It's, and it's like getting angry and frustrated, but it's not with this awareness that you're saying. It's just, it's just building up and then it just yeah. goes and you don't really pause and reflect on what's happening and say, this is, you know, I'm, this is what I need from the situation right now. Exactly. So well, what's the benefit in a way for you to be less emotionally aware when you just get to kind of raise your voice as you will not try to express your emotional needs. Why does that help you in any way? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of, I'm still getting my frustration out. Right. Right. I'm still getting those emotions out, but I'm just getting it as just anger. And the thing about anger too, um, especially if you're in like more of a flight or flight response situation, it becomes sort of protective at the same time, right? Especially when it comes to things like bullying. If anger is your response, chances are other people might back off a little bit because they might be intimidated. So it does work. I think it's just a protective response from the body too at the same time. Yeah. So I think those are smaller benefits it does have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of it is that it it is, you're expressing the emotion, whatever it is, there's a gratification to just 
cur- uh, like fulfill the hunger of the anger, even though it's never really satisfied, but you get that yeah. fulfillment. And then, and, and that, and it, that has its own, its own place and it's protective. It's a, it's a sign. It's, it, it, it's a, it's a guard. It's a, it's a place to guard you, to exactly. protect you from people uh, pushing through or hurting you. And that example of the bullying is that, you know, if I, if I remain firm at the, at the line, then people can't get through. And so that's going to protect me. Exactly. So that's, you know, anger as a protective tool and as, you know, a release of some kind in the way that you're talking, which is just letting it out and not having that awareness of why it is and telling it, talking about it more in the moment with somebody. Is there any other reason why it benefits you? I mean, I, I I can't think of many, but like in sports, it definitely does benefit me, right? Because um, I used to play a lot of sports and I used to play better when I was angry, right? Just because you just, it's, anger has a lot to do with passion too, in, in a certain way. Fire. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, a lot of sports, that do play things get emotional and when i'm fired up i'm very different right um you, my focus is a lot better when i'm fired up right <laughs> uh, some people lose their focus but my focus hits spot on when i'm fired up and in sports that's something that always helped me i always play better whenever things are fired up whenever things are emotional whenever people are yelling at each other so it's all up. So it's fuel. It's fire. Yeah. It's 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 energy for competition in sports. Yeah. It represents it's 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 in, like it, it you know it motivates you. You play your best or whatever. You're on your best. It's it's there's there's something about that that is is true. Like people, you know, um, some of the greats in all the different sports. They like look for material. Like someone will say something about them, and it could be misinterpreted. Like, let's say the media says, Oh, they're not that great or something. And it's not even that bad of a comment, but they'll, they'll internalize it and maybe get like, well, I'm going to prove them wrong. So there's just this like gratification, this intensity of, you know, your performance is going to be heightened with this surge of, of anger, energy of fire. And I, I think that is a big motivation for me when it comes to like TikTok and stuff too. Cause I have some, anger deep inside to prove people in wrong in sweden especially you told me i'm gonna be worthless i'm nothing right right so i i can see it coming from there too it's like it's like those you know you're not gonna amount to anything so then oh yeah well i'm gonna do whatever i'm gonna succeed in all that i do and then it's like you're motivated it it's pushing you in a in a way to make really good stuff but it's pushing you yeah it's a fuel and and we don't want to deny it. You know, you're not saying to deny it. It's how do we relate to it in a positive way? But sometimes when you really are able to just let go, let the emotion go without self-reflection, without awareness, without regulation, it reminds you of all of these things, that power that it has for you. Yeah, for sure. So why would you want to change that? Well, I don't want it to be my only way out. Right. There's a time and place to be angry. I don't want that to be my go-to thing for everything. Let's say I'm talking to my kids in the future. The last thing I want to do is become angry when, let's say I'm trying to teach them something 
and I'm getting frustrated because they're having a hard time learning it. If I use anger on them, I'm just creating another cycle, right? They're going right. to do the same thing later on. And with all the knowledge I have when it comes to psychology or kinesiology, that's not a way of learning, right? It's, it's really not. It becomes closer to verbal abuse than anything, right? And that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to create more trauma for other people just because I can't control my own emotions. So you're already thinking, I mean, your first answer is, is, has very, even very little to do with you, but has to do with that focus of selflessness that you were talking about that's embedded in you is that it's about another generation. It's about other people. It's about how it's going to impact other people, particularly close people in my life. Yeah. And so you don't want to go anywhere near that. You don't want to develop this, this completely lack of self-reflective anger that gets expressed to other people that you care about in a very un you know, ungroomed or uncivilized or unaware uh, way. And then how that's yeah. going to impact. You don't want to do that. No, exactly. So you're already thinking about, you know, another generation. So that's, uh, it's very interesting to, that that was your response. Is there anything else that comes up for you as to why you would want to be a bit more self-aware in this way, maybe express what you really need underneath that anger? How else would that benefit you? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll feel better, right? Just being more self-aware, being more in tune with myself. Um, it's the same reason people do things like meditation and mindfulness and all that stuff. It's just be more in tune with yourself, feel your emotions, and just feel better. Because once you have more understanding of everything, it's easy to solve all the small things in life, right? All the emotions. Why am I feeling this? Why is this happening? And... Once you recognize that stuff, you can let it go and you can prevent it from hurting you, right? Or prevent it from holding you back from something. Right. So I think that's very important too. So it's just, it, it's, an, it's a form of, yeah, it's, just, it's building self-awareness. It's building that, that muscle for yourself that you obviously, that's part of the reason what you said in the first place. I want to be more self-aware when it comes to emotions. And I think that one piece that we're picking up on here is that, you know, your experience there's one, one world where you're expressing the emotion without awareness as to why it's going on and what it means and what you need. And then that just gets expressed. And then there's this other piece of you that can express it to a certain extent, but is doing it with awareness and saying, this is what I really need. So what would it be like to start to do that? Like, for example, you mentioned getting, talking to your dad about uh, whatever you were talking about and getting more and more tense about a small issue. And then all you were really trying to say is, can you hear me? Yeah. Like, how would that benefit you to be able to just understand what it is that you want to express and say what you really need to somebody? Yeah, well, in my opinion, communication is the key to every single relationship you have. And it doesn't even have to be verbal. It could be any type of communication, right? But you need to understand each other. But I can't expect anyone to understand me if I can't express myself properly. Right. Right. Um, me getting frustrated at them for not understanding me is just means that I'm expecting them to understand me when I can't even express it properly. You're expecting them to re read your mind. Yeah, and, exactly. And um, this is an interesting thing that a lot of people struggle with. So in, and, and I, and I practice quite a bit of it, but I'm not necessarily a cognitive therapist, but there's a lot of what they call cognitive distortions, which I like to think about not as distortions, but just thinking patterns that don't always serve us. 
and that aren't always helpful. And one of them is mind reading. So a lot of people mind read. So either they will start to project a bunch of thoughts about what that person's having about them. And they'll say this person, they think probably this about me. They think that about me. And it's really powerful to just be like, well, no, actually, I don't think that that's, that's really, how do I know that? How do I really know that that's the case? Yeah. How do I know what other people are thinking? But, but the other part of it that relates to what you're talking about. So there's the not knowing what other people think, or we expect them to know what we're thinking. Yeah. It's like, how are other people supposed to know what we're thinking? Yeah. It's not always simple to do that. I don't know. How, I, how am I supposed to know? Sometimes we should, we want to have other people take that leap and be like, what's wrong? What's going on? But how are we supposed to know? And yeah. so when you then insert your, you express what you're feeling and you say what you really want, all of a sudden they're like, oh, now I do know what you're thinking. Yeah, exactly. No more guessing. Exactly. No Has there been something like that where it's really helped you? I'm, I'm, it helps all the time. Honestly, ever since I started embracing this whole self-awareness thing, my relationships have become better with everyone from my best friends to my sister, to my parents, every relationship has improved. Right. So it sounds like doing this more and being able to do this more and more as you go forward is going to be a way for you to connect with people and have improved relationships. Yeah. So that's awesome. I think that that is, I think that the most important part of that is, is how is this going to both impact myself? I'm going to be self-aware and at this and more understanding of who I am and what my needs are. And that maybe that gives me a better sense of compassion for myself, yeah. but then it's also the other person, how, okay. how, and then how I model that, like, imagine you were able to talk with people like that. And then they were able to talk like that with you. Yeah. And, As, and yeah, the thing is too, like now that I have the platform, I can hopefully model that to other people too. Right. And that's the whole thing. Why being a role model is so important to me because I'm not just helping me and my own relationships. I want to help everyone else's relationships too. Right. And, and, and one way to improve relationships is the communication yeah. and is the expression of the need when we're feeling a certain emotion and we are calling out for a support or for help. We can say that to somebody instead of just lashing out as a way to get what they, what we want, which is not communicating properly. Yeah. So that's really what you want to improve more and more. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I, I think that that is a very big topic, a big change talk that a lot of people are probably thinking about on their own level. What's one thing on this spectrum of moving towards this type of living that you want to do right now? One little thing that will make you go from like being 50% good at this to 55% or 60% or 70%. What's one thing that you could do to improve this right away? You just got to practice. It's, it's practicing, 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 but it's not just, I, I know people say practice makes perfect, but you have to do perfect practice to make perfect. You can't just practice anything. You have to know what you're practicing, right? And a lot of this involves reading up on things, talking to people, just learning more about it, right? Because just like we were having this talk, I'm learning more about myself. Right. Right. So, so practice, practice, practice. Sure, we can definitely practice. But how for you right now, could, could you take one step towards more practice? Is there one area where you want to have a, 
a little bit more of that awareness or one type of thing that you want to practice for yourself that will make you a bit better? I would say have conversations, just have more conversations about it, bring it up more often. Mm. Because the more people you talk to, the more input you get, the more understanding you get. And the thing is, when you talk to somebody, yes, of course, you learn stuff about them, but you, you learn stuff about yourself at the same time, right? And that's also a way that you're practicing. Right. And it's, well, I think you, you, what you're saying is that you want to talk to people a bit more about this topic in general, maybe talk more about it on your page or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting because part of what we do at the change talk is that you talk about something that you want to improve and then it keeps you accountable because we follow up with you. So if you start talking about it to people more and you start yeah. talking about it on your channel more then people will expect that from you. And then you'll want to be good at it. So then you'll practice expressing your emotions more so that you can be better. And people will be like, Oh, he has integrity. He's good at what he, he, he practices what he preaches. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting uh, thing to do. So you'll start talking about it. Maybe you'll do one post every once in a while more on this topic about emotional expression. And, and one way you definitely can do that is you'll, is you'll share the episode when it comes out on of talking course, yeah. about emotional expression and this is and it's just also just a um for 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 push it's also for you right now you you are the influencer on this page and and you're going to be working more and more on that and you're going to be involved with us on mental health and so basically all of this stuff is 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 going to be a part of it so thank you so much for sharing this topic i think that a lot of people you know, our hope always in every single change talk is that your change talk can in some small way inspire another person's change talk. Maybe they've been thinking about that as well. Um, expressing your emotions to the people we, to the people we care about is a really helpful way to connect, to make sure that we're, we're our needs are expressed and that we're heard and understood. So thank you so much for sharing the topic. Um, appreciate Thanks your for time. letting me share it. Yeah. Appreciate your time as well. Don't forget to follow us on social media to keep updated on all our content. We are at Change Talk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Change Talk Pod on Twitter. Editing for this podcast is done by the lovely Atara Shields Tile. Music and theme song by Hope and Social in their album Yorkshire Electric EP with the song People Change. <laughs>